The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. He's going to share his testimony through song. It's about uh, a lot about family and what God can do in a family, what God has done in his family. So would you welcome, without further ado, Andre DeVille, all the way from Cape Town, South Africa. morning. (laughs) God is the kindest person I've ever met in my life. The Bible says that God will discipline those who he loves. It always amazes me how God will discipline me when I won't listen. Then God will get really kind. If I still won't listen, then God will beat me up with kindness until I'm driven to my knees. This is my testimony You are the kindest person I ever met in my life In your hiddenness When you manifest When you're all in all When you're all I have In the man we undulate You will never leave You'll never forsake me There's nothing I can bring These empty hands I raise To worship you, my King With a heart This is my testimony You are the kindest person I ever met in my life When I wake, when I sleep When I laugh and when I Storms rage, friends falter, you stay the same. There's nothing I can bring, these empty hands I raise. To worship you, my King, with a heart full of This is my testimony You are the kindest person I ever met in my life I joined my first band when I was 14 years old. By the time I was 15, I was making more money than my mom. My mom 
was an amazing woman. She worked two jobs to put my brother and myself at school in the daytime. My mom was a doctor's receptionist. She'd come home in the evenings. She'd have supper with us. And then she'd go out again. She'd go selling clothing door to door to put my brother and myself to school. Thank God for moms. So I dropped out of school at the age of 16 to help the family. And for the next 14 years, I lived a life of decadence as a rock and roll musician. At the age of 30, God intervened in my life and I became a Christian. And when I gave my life to Christ, I'd never done an honest day's work in my life. All I could do was sing and write songs. So I didn't have a clue how God was going to provide for my family. I thought maybe God would take me from being a successful secular musician and make me a successful Christian one. For the next 19 years, I never sang in public. During that time, God was building some character into me and preparing me for this time. At the age of 49, God called me to ministry. And I've been traipsing around the world ever since then, just sharing the goodness of God wherever anyone will listen. Now, during those 19 years, one of the ways I made a living is even though I wasn't performing or singing in public, I had a reputation of being a songwriter in my country where I live. And so I started being commissioned to write songs for television commercials and for some movies. I'm going to play a few of the commercials just for a giggle. So if you could play the first one. I remember the days of my life I recall the faces, mostly yours Magic moments, life was a mystery There's no place on earth that we'd rather be Moving up, going through some changes Storing up the memories Then you gave me the light of my life I always gave the best I could give first of many television commercials that I did and there's an amusing story attached to that one they spent a few million making that commercial and they wanted to use a Beatles song for the soundtrack and so they negotiated with the Beatles publishers after a while they found out they couldn't afford them so they came to me 
God works in mysterious ways. I have a wonderful family. I have a fantastic wife, four children and two grandchildren. And we've been on a journey. I'm going to share some of that journey with you this morning. The song I'm going to sing for you now is a song that I wrote for my daughter. My little girl, she's 32 now. It's a song called You and Me. She's a lot like me. into your world, your life changes forever. Perhaps your car should too. Introducing the newly evolved Toyota Camry. 
36 years ago, my oldest son was born. When my son was born, I had no understanding of a father's love for a child. Our fathers are meant to model this for us. My dad left home and my mom was pregnant with me. Now three years before I became a Christian is when uh, my son was born. And it was this time in my life that I believe that God took a hold of my heart and started revealing himself to me as my father. My dad lived a thousand miles away from where I live. And as I mentioned, as a young man, as a well-known musician, I had a number of albums out, those big black things. <laughs> and, so, and so my music would always be played on the radio and when my name had often been a newspaper for doing the things that musicians do. And so I tour around our nation with various bands that I had and every year I'd go through the town where my father lived. It was always my intention one day to meet my dad and to start a relationship with him. This went on for a number of years. Every year the same resolve. This was going to be the year that I'd meet my dad. One day I got the call to tell me my father was dead. And so I had to go and bury him. When I got to the funeral, it was a very strange, surreal experience. I was a stranger at my father's funeral. I knew nobody there. I asked my uncle, who I'd met there, if I could see my father's body. I wanted to see what he looked like. I'd never seen any pictures of him. My mom never spoke about him. I knew nothing about him. And so my uncle informed me that my dad had drunk himself to death that he looked awful so I never got to see my father my dad was a school teacher he was a substitute relief school teacher he was one of those teachers go from one school to the next as and when they had need of him and because of this he never lived in a house he lived in a residential hotel room and so I went to my father's room to go and see if I could find anything that I could take home to show my family something of my father's life. While I was looking through my dad's stuff, I found a whole bunch of newspaper cuttings about myself. And there were letters from my school. My father had obviously written to the school to find out how I was doing, and they had responded. And so it turns out that my dad followed my whole life and we never met and so when my oldest son was born I wrote this song for him as a promise to let him know I'd never do that to him I've got stars in my eyes I've got so much love I can't Skies, how I feel, one or two, everything revolves around you, and your love set me free. Now I know how it feels to be alive. You got me 
someone to confide in, and I would never let you down. I will always be around, and you'll love. Let me go. Now I know how it feels to be alone. simple. We never know who they might become. Nedbank. Because if you're over 18, you'll want a bank, not a youth club. Isn't that true? We never know what our children might become. My oldest son, who I wrote that song for, is a very gifted young man. He's one of those people, I'm sure everyone in this room knows somebody like him. He's one of those people that everybody loves. A great sportsman as well. He was playing professional football when he was 19. He gave his life to Christ when he was 15. And he was very much in love with God. And he led a number of his friends to the Lord, including my adopted son, on the way to school one day in the car. Now, because of my son's sporting abilities, he got a scholarship to go to a very exclusive private school in South Africa. At that school, as a young Christian man, my son thought he could do anything he liked with his life, and there he started experimenting with drugs. By the time my son was 21 years old, he was a crack cocaine addict 
their habits that was costing him a huge amount of money. He stole everything we had as a family to support his habit. We had drug dealers phoning our house, threatening to kill him. If he wouldn't pay them the money, he owed them. And so we paid them. At one time I was out of town. My wife had to go to a crack house to go and fetch my daughter's cell phone. This is how we lived. During this time that we learned the most about our God, we learned the difference between Christian cliches and Christian reality. And we began to understand the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Towards the end of this episode, my son would have been this happy-go-lucky young man with everything going for him. He would sit in a public toilet. He'd sit there all night long smoking crack. Now the nature of this drug is you binge, you run out of money, or you go into a drug-induced coma, or you die. And so every night my son would go out. We'd never know if this would be the last time we'd ever see him. One evening, the strain of this became too much for my wife and myself. So I took my son to a place called the Ark. It's a ministry for homeless people in the town where I live. I thought perhaps they could help my son there. I can remember the two of us were sitting outside in the street. It was 10 city at night. It was pitch dark. And I was about to drop my son off there and leave him there. And just wash my hands of him. And then God reminded me of the words in the song that I wrote for him when he was born. That I would never let my son down. And so I turned the car around and I took my boy home. A short while after that, God rescued him. And he's once again faithfully serving God. And he's the father of my two grandchildren. God is faithful. The song that I'm going to sing for you now is a song that I wrote while the storm was raging in the life of my family. It's a song called Get Over It. And I was feeling really sorry for myself when I was writing these songs. I was lying in my bed where I write all my songs. I always tell people, may as well be comfortable. <laughs> and I had these images of holes. There's a hole in my soul and a hole in the roof and a hole in the floor, just holes everywhere. And then God showed me a great thing. I'll get over it. It's just a matter of Forgive 
Um, a while back I was being interviewed on the radio and the guy who's interviewing me is trying to be clever with me because I'm a Christian he said to me can you prove to me that God exists so I said yes my wife she's living proof that God exists and so she is a trophy of God's grace God's greatest gift to me. It's a song I write for called Living Proof. I got a crush on you, babe. I start to crush when I speak your name. They told me the stuff wears out. So how come I still feel the same? From day I set eyes on you, there were never a doubt. I always knew that this is how it would be. I got you, and you got me. Your living proof that God exists, and how much He must love me. I. And I can walk on the sea You bring out the best in me Infatuation I don't think so anymore We've been around the block a few times Looks like we're going around some Trust in me 
An adopted son. He came to us when he was four years old. How that happened is this way. He was my oldest son's best friend. And there's two four-year-old boys that would play together. His mom had some issues. And I was a baby Christian at that time. I was counseling her as best as I could. After a while, the situation became too much for her to cope. And so she abandoned her three children at an orphanage in the city where I live. So we'd go on weekends to go and fetch my son's best friend. And we'd bring him home to come and play. After a short while, he just seamlessly integrated into our family. And he became our son. His mom came back on the scene when he was seven years old. And because I never knew my father, I thought it would be good for him to spend time with his biological mom. And so she'd take him away on weekends. After a while, we found out that a boyfriend was molesting him. And so we had to stop her from seeing her own child. Now before this time, she viewed my wife and myself as this wonderful Christian couple. She couldn't say enough good things about us because we were looking after her kids. But because I had to stop her from seeing her son, she developed a deep hatred for us. And every time she'd phone him, She'd poison his mind against us. She'd tell him we'd stolen him from her. He was only a little boy when he came to us, and so he didn't know any better. On his 18th birthday, he ran away from home to be with his mom. After two weeks, she kicked him out, and he was too proud to come home, so he just kept running. We haven't seen him now for well over 10 years. Normally I'll just sing, I'll never sing a song about anything until God has walked a thing and brought it to resolution. But I've walked with God now for over 30 years and I've learned that God is faithful. And God will finish 
what he started. And so this is a song of great hope. There is another reason I sing this song. It struck me when I was writing these words how much the story sounds like us and God and how we let people poison our minds against our Father. How we run from Him. How He wants us to run to Him. Anytime you want Won't you to know you're not alone And I wonder where you are Do you still have the scar? Wonder what your memories are of home youngest son, his name is Daniel, and he's like a really funny guy. He came to me when he was 14 years old, and I was busy recording one of my previous CDs at that time, and he came to me and he was very upset that I hadn't written a song for him yet. So I wrote this next song for him. I called him into my room to play the song for him. He sat at the foot of my bed, and I started singing the song to him. He got as far as the first chorus. 
And we both started crying. So he said to me, Dad, please take that song off the CD. He was very concerned what his friends were going to do to him. When I heard his father singing him a love song. And so I told him I would take the song off the CD. A short while after that, one Sunday morning, I was singing in our local church. And my son was there with his three girlfriends. And he said to me, Dad, he said, if you play that song, I'll kill you. And I played it anyway. And fortunately for me, his three girlfriends, they went up to him after the meeting and they said, you must be an amazing person for your father to speak of you this way. And so he came back to me and said, I could put the song back on the CD. Which is where it is. But we parents, we make a strange transition at around about this time in our children's lives. When our kids are nine or ten years old, they look up to us as though we're God. We can say nothing wrong, do nothing wrong. For some reason, I'll never understand. When our kids get to be about 13 or 14, we parents, we wake up one morning to discover we know nothing anymore. And you'll hear me mention that as the song goes on, a song called Daniel. You may not understand the things I do, know this one thing. What I do, I do for you. I have no other motive. My heart is pure in an ever-changing world. Know this one thing for sure. Daniel, you are in my eyes the gift of God's the prize. My heaven. What you are worth When I come home sometimes I find you asleep I sit by your side And ask my God to keep You safe from harm Make you strong In an ever-changing world Always somewhere you Daniel, you are in my eyes the gift of God's, the prize, my heavenly rewards. Here on earth, you'll never know, my little friend, what you are worth. Just recently, I went from deity to knowing nothing at all. No more hugs, only handshakes. My biggest fan just became a man. Daniel, in my
Fortunately for you, I'm running out of family others. You'll be all day. I've got just that one more song for you. I get to travel around the world a lot. And in August in 2005, I was singing at a drug rehab center in a country called Mozambique on the east coast of Africa. And immediately after singing there, I had to go sing in some, come here to Texas to go sing in some prisons in Gatesville. And so I love my local church, and I believe in being accountable, and I like my local church to know where I'm doing, what I'm doing, where I'm going, and what not. So I stopped off at my local church on my way from Mozambique to Texas, and I said this to them on Sunday morning. I said, I just got back from rehab, and I'm off to prison. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> in that particular time when I was uh, visiting the, the prisons here, in Gatesville, the door was open for me to go see on death row. I went in there with my friend Dallas Strom. There I got to meet a woman by the name of Frances Newton. She'd been on death row for 17 years. On the 14th of September that year, they executed her. I had the enormous privilege of singing this song to her that I'm listening to now. It's a song called Passing Through. I'm going to show you some pictures of a church inside that prison while I sing this song to you.
Andre and his family's story is a powerful story of redemption in God's grace. And wherever you come from this morning, you may be a prodigal. You may have prodigals sitting with you this morning. You may have prodigal sons or daughters. You may be estranged from a mother or father. I hope you've heard a message of hope, a message of redemption, a message of what God can do when we yield ourselves to him, a message of the forgiveness that can come through Christ and Christ alone. A message of watching ladies in prison worshiping the Savior. A message of recognizing the great hope we have in Jesus. Amen. Father, we're grateful. Grateful for this testimony of a work that only you can do through your amazing grace. We celebrate Jesus, the Redeemer, who forgives all. In his name, amen.